everyone, and welcome to Play on K, the Korean drama podcast with Emily and Raquel. And this is the show where we take a K-drama, we watch it two episodes at a time, and then we get together here every week to talk about it. Yeah, this week we watched the final two episodes, episodes 19 and 20 of Reply 1988, and I'm devastated that it is over. I can't believe oh that it- I, I want to curl up inside of this show and watch it forever, and I know that's not possible, and it's heartbreaking- and they they did break my heart with that ending as well. And they did such a good job of being like of respecting that they know that we want to crawl up inside the show and live there forever and saying this is Duck Sun's goodbye to her youth and thus it is your goodbye to the show. We're giving you one of the most beautiful farewells you've ever seen in a finale. It is we get it. We get how emotional this is. I think we we kind of talked about that last week, where in episode 17, they just jumped from being 18 to 25. And they really smoothed that out in episode 20 and said, we know they're 45 now. That's a big difference. We've given you a little bit of time to adjust because they've been 45 since the very first episode. And they gave me an opportunity to completely change my mind on the 2015 scenes where I have harped on them the entire time and said, I wish they weren't a part of the show at all. And they were like, no, 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 they're so important now. They are so important to being able to wrap this up in a neat little box and say goodbye to our youth, goodbye to our neighborhood, goodbye to our show. And it felt... It was beautiful. It was heartbreaking, but it was beautiful. Yes, I really liked the conversation that they had in 2015. uh, And it was Take and Jackson just asking each other if they would go back, if they could. Like, would you ever just revisit any of those memories? And Take's answer of, no, because it wouldn't be the same. And the only thing I'd want to do is sit in my old room together with our friends. That was... That was the part that that meant the most to me. And then Dixon's answer that was beautiful and devastated me. And is because both of their answers were correct. Like, those are the two things that I miss about my childhood, too, right? Like, the simple moments with friends of just, like, sitting around and having nowhere to be and nothing to do and just enjoying being together. And it's all you looked forward to. And it, it like... It was everything. And then, but also Dixon's answer of, is it too early to hop into all of this? Too bad. I'm already here. I feel like you can Um, see me tearing up. So go right ahead. (laughs) Yeah. We'll just get the crying out now. So we'll say all of the sad things now. But um, her talking about going back to not her own youth necessarily, but her parents' youth when they were as big as mountains and young and strong. And that was what that, that, what those years were to her. It's been three days since I watched the finale. <laughs> and I've cried every single day. <laughs> yeah, so it got good. me really good. <laughs> it got me really good. Um, yeah. I think that they did a good job. Sometimes I wonder if my childhood wasn't relatable because it was so good, right? You know, I think a lot of people had bad, like a bad childhood which makes me ache for them um because i uh, i don't know what that's like um and i i feel like everyone deserves better like everyone deserves a good childhood right no one ever wants children to be hurt or suffering um 
and I had such a good childhood. Uh, and so this show, it, it, it does feel like it highlights those parts of it, but I, I hope that it highlights like the relatable part of youth for everyone because that was, yeah, what got me crying. It had me sobbing, you know, thinking about trying to go back to that time because I, especially in like the years I've struggled a little bit more with being sad in my 20s, like struggled with anxiety and depression and stuff. I've had moments where I just like, wish I could claw my way back to to that time. But it like, it isn't there anymore. And I thought that they did such a good job of, of highlighting like, what makes you want to go back of it, like being just like a warm, safe space. And like growing up and growing away from that warm, safe space is so hard. <laughs> But it's like not, it's not bad to want that, but it is also not bad to understand like the passage of time is like going to change all of those things and it's not going to be the same place. And like that's okay too. Yeah. They did such a beautiful end cap with saying part of the beauty of youth is that it passes, is that it's. It's gone before you know it, and you can't go back. And, oh, yeah, they captured that feeling so well. It just hits you right in the feels. Yeah, I think the part about the parents aging hit me real hard. I don't know if I've ever told you that that's a big part of why Jason and I decided to have kids so young, where, like, I was only 25 when Eve was born, and we were not in the place, like, financially that we thought we would be when we started having kids. We thought we'd have a house and jobs and know where we were going to spend the rest of our lives and where we were going to raise those kids, but we read this book called The Defining Decade, which is lovely, and we absolutely subscribed to that talked about one consideration being the age of your parents and how old you wanted them to be when your kids grow up. How old will they be when your kid is 20? And that hit home, and especially because my parents had me when they were older, so to think that my parents are still aging, and they're they're aging, I don't know, faster than I ever want them to be, where... Like, in my mind, I'm still a little kid, and they're still in their 40s, and that's really young and vibrant, but it's just not true. Like, in the blink of an eye, they're a lot older than than they were before, and I just want to hold on to them forever. I think it tore me up inside that you can't tell if Duxun is talking about her parents after they're gone, or if they are still alive. Because it's, it's not something that really matters to the story. And that's just reality, right? Of like, if your parents are up in their 70s, they might not be around anymore. And I was like, okay, Duxon, like, don't, don't bring up my parents right now. Thank you, ma'am. Yeah, yeah, I'm not I, ready for that. I'm already dealing with the loss of my childhood. Now you're making me face the loss of my parents as well. Ma'am, this show is too Please. much. Yeah, yeah, that is... I don't know. That's such a big one. And like, a, I don't know. Oh, I didn't even think about it until we started talking about it. I don't plan on having children or intend to have children. Um, that may or may not change. And it, it's really going to suck if it changes and I have 
kids when my parents are too old to know my kids. (laughs) It's hard to think about. Yeah, I don't. I guess I'm just, I have to decide now and I'm not going to do it. So you have to let my parents be your kids' grandparents too. Okay. To get an extra set, a bonus set, because it's a deal. They're, they're going to be devastated. (laughs) (laughs) Lynn will be fine, but Sherry's going to be so sad. (laughs) Yeah, we need all hands on deck. We've only got one and we need, we need the village. So anyone (laughs) that can help, please send help. That'll be good. That'll be good. We'll take Sherry on board. (laughs) Oh, my God. And yeah, the trying to decide still where we're going to live, where we're going to spend the rest of our lives. Where I think my husband and I were very cocky 25-year-olds thinking that, like, we would figure it out within the next couple of years, that we would know for sure where we want (laughs) to spend the rest of our lives and raise our children. Like, no, fools. It's been two years. We've had some time to think about it. And we are more lost than ever. And <laughs> now we've got Reply 1988 breathing down our necks going, but what if, what if your kid could find their best friends for life? Where could, where could they find that? And I'm like, take that pressure off, please. I don't know <laughs> if I can find the perfect neighborhood, the perfect place to live. That's what I cried about on day two, which... If I can keep rambling, I'm sorry to take over this episode. Don't do it. <laughs> it was a very serendipitous day where I cried myself to sleep worrying about where we were going to raise Eve and if she was going to be able to live in a neighborhood like Duck Sons that's filled with children and has a lot of people who love her, have people around who we can trust to watch her when we're not watching her. And uh, that pressure was getting too much. And so the next day, even I went out for just like to go to the park while Jason was working. And we ran into literally everybody that we know in Tokyo. It's only like (laughs) five families, but we ran into all of them just like back to back to back. And it was just this little reinforcement of like, you will find a good neighborhood anywhere you end up. As long as you go out, you talk to your neighbors, you make yourself known, you you make sure you know them, and they know you, and you start to take care of each other. It That'll just happen. You can make it for yourself. You don't have to find this magical place on the map that is going to be the Reply neighborhood. It's out there. You have to make it wherever you end up. And that was such a relief to me, like... I'm not a religious person, but that felt like a spiritual experience of, like, being so worried about where to raise my kid and worrying that, will she find friends? Will I find friends? And then being like, you've only been here for two years and you've already got friends and you can barely speak Japanese. Like, you barely know how to talk to these people and you still feel comfortable that they are your friends and that their kids are the same age as, as Eve and that she she can be friends with them. And it's like, even if we're leaving soon, I feel so much more comforted in knowing that we can make it happen wherever we go. Yeah, that that is going to be wherever you go. Obviously, my hope is for us to move into a commune type, you know, like our own neighborhood together with our other friend Lauren mm-hmm. and like a couple other of our closest friends and, you know, like... M- 
maybe another friend, you know, another one or two friends with kids the same age as Eve, because at this point, that ship has sailed. Even if Lauren had kids, they would not be the same age as Eve. Um, uh, Eve might be the Bora of this situation. Yeah, or like the Jungbong. Um, yeah. Like, significantly older than all the other kids, being like, <laughs> yeah. I'll just hang out on the peripherals. Yeah, Dong Rong's uh, older brother, who was not <laughs> even a part of it until the time jump. I swear it said at one point he has multiple older brothers, and they just get, yeah. like, a mention. <laughs> yeah, just that's like Eve. a soft wisp of, I think there's more of that. <laughs> <laughs> um... But they have their place, too. He was in the wedding photo, so, like... <laughs> yeah. That was really wholesome. Um, yeah, we'll get back yeah, to the anyways. show soon. This is our sidebar, yeah. guys. Yeah, our sidebar where we're going to have our own neighborhood that we get to live in, except you're never allowed to move away once we live there. No, no one is. That's the thing, is it's actually a cult. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was very rough to watch the families move away from oh each other. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> no, why would you do that? Why, like, at least two of the families were like, we're, we're gonna stay together, right? Like, wh why would you go to different places, you monsters? All of you have to move to the farm together. <laughs> yeah. Move to a farm, move to a retirement village, move to wherever you go next. Like, I get it that you're like, we don't need these big houses. Like, at least... We see Jungbong's family, who's like, we live in a three-bedroom house. Like, I could see the basement that's like, you've only got one other room. They wanted to get out of there anyways, but also Miran being like, I'm not going to clean three bedrooms and the living dining situation for the rest of my life. Like, this is way too much house for two people. So, of course, they're going to leave. But you have to bring the whole neighborhood, guys. You have to bring them all. What if everyone just moved into your three-bedroom house? Ooh, what there's if an idea. everyone got a bedroom and you all worked together to maintain the three-bedroom house? I like it. I'm not bad yeah. at that. Let's change the ending because it was sad that it became a trash alley. Oh, my God. They They couldn't have had... So, here's the thing. Once again, I'm making this about me. So when your husband and I were very little, when Jason and I were very little, the, there was a huge empty lot in the space next to his house. And me and Jason and his younger brothers and his older brother and my older brother would just go out in that empty lot and play. And it was like weeds and these giant pieces of concrete that someone had just dumped there and had been like reclaimed by the earth. So they were like half buried in dirt and big rocks, just like some boulders and small rocks, lots of little pebbles that got near shoes and like foxtails and goat heads like it was it was not Are those plants like, yeah have okay. you ever seen a goat head they're like the worst plants in history um they spiky balls yeah they start out green and then like if there's a lot of moisture a bunch of them grows and then very early in the summer as soon as the weather starts to heat up they all harden and die like they quote unquote die but those little the little seeds the little spiky balls turn into um little 
like, Legos have nothing on this shit. If anyone's ever like, have you ever stepped on a Lego? I'm like, don't come to me about <laughs> Legos. Because my dogs will bring goat heads in on their, like, paws and then pull Aww. them off with their teeth and leave them in my house. Oh, I have a God. bruise on the bottom of my feet right now where yesterday... I stepped on a goat head with a callus, and so obviously it poked into the callus, which hurt, but then the callus shoved up into my foot and bruised the whole side of my foot. Uh, and it's like, they are like like the plant of Satan. Oh, I'm sorry. Anyway. I'm sorry to get you off on that. I think just yeah. saying foxtails and goat's heads back to back made me be like, oh, yeah. am I unaware of like a spooky situation that was going on <laughs> with dead animals in your side yard? No, yeah, just pl- weird plant names. Okay, uh, okay. Foxtails, goat heads, all plants. Um, but anyway, it's like, we still like, there were like these hills that in the empty lot that we had like worn tracks into because we had like run up and down the hills so many times, just like small hills. But like, yeah. there was like this track that we would like run around and we would play in this field and we loved it. It was like our special place, like meet you in the field. And then we, uh, as probably around the time I was 10, probably like 11 or 12, maybe, I want to say. That's like a big estimation there. They decided to make that field into a park, which I was really sad about because the field was our special place. And um, we wouldn't, it wouldn't just be our special place anymore. And then Jason's cousin wrote the just as like a school project just like as like a a creative writing project at school and he would have been like 9 at the time so like he he was creative very early on but he wrote this little short story cuz he he loved the field too he had moved away a couple years prior but he wrote for school a little short story about these golden-haired boys who loved a field um and like loved this secret place but it turned into a park, but it was good because all of the other kids could love it too. Like all now all of these other kids could see, like could enjoy this special place together. Like it, it just uncovered like the specialness for a new generation of kids. And it was like really beautiful. Obviously it still gets me. Um, and that is what I had hoped they would do with the neighborhood, right? That it would just become, like, a trash heap. But, like, these new other young families would move in and make their own memories there, right? They would make it special with their own, and it would always be a special place. Maybe not always specifically special in the ways that Dioxan remembered it, but special for someone in some way. And now it's just special for people who don't, aren't doing so well. (laughs) Like, even that, like, the houses were so bare and... Yeah, it wasn't even like people lived there and, Uh like, were just getting by. It was like, that's where people, like, come down from a really bad high. (laughs) Yeah, it was such a harsh choice to show. Because, yeah, I I don't think I thought of that as beautifully as the park poem i don't think my mind went that far i think i just fully believed duckson's lie that it had become more commercialized and they'd maybe built apartments or like smaller houses and 
just made it more of like a, a a typical modern neighborhood. Like I get to walk around Tokyo a lot and see kind of older neighborhoods mixed in with like new houses here and there. And I guess that's what I imagined of like, it's more of just a street with a bunch of little kind of slim, tall houses in it. It's all the old houses were knocked down, but there's, yeah, new families there. There's still life. Life goes on. But instead, they were like, no, this is a freaking graveyard. It is the world's <laughs> saddest little place. Your childhood did not just get, yeah, re returned to the earth and then taken in by another family. Your childhood is decimated. <laughs> it is dust. And, like, for you what? You can never go back there. <laughs> I am so grateful that she lied to our sweet boy take about what happened and was just like, it's great now. It's a really beautiful. You wouldn't even recognize it. And she's like, I went back and had to deal with the freaking post-apocalyptic look of my childhood home. That's awful. That's yeah. traumatizing. Yeah, that would be, I, I would be traumatized by that. We like sold my grandpa's ranch a couple of years ago and I can never go back out there. Cause like, what if they ruined it? What if it's, yeah, like I would be fine if my grandparents' house was gone and it was rebuilt into a different house. Yeah. I think I'd be sad for like the waste. Like that's dumb. And it's not really as much of a thing in America as it is here in Japan. But still, it's, it's like, as long as someone's living in it, it's fine. But yeah, if you went back out to your grandpa's ranch and it was like, there's no house, the house was torn down, and the ranch is clearly just unused, it would be devastating. Yeah, it's all weeds. It's 100% coheads. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the worst kind of weeds. <laughs> A slap in the face. <laughs> I, yeah. I mean, it really drove home, like, I guess it set up that moment where she opens the bedroom door and her friends are there waiting for her and they watch the movie together. Like, it set that up very well. That would have been a lot oh. harder to do if they were showing other families living in the neighborhood. But they could have done a similar thing where they show the neighborhood's lively, other families are living there, but Takes House is still empty. And yeah. I don't, like, for whatever or reason. something. Like, there's a for sale sign up front. into a shop and, yeah. like... Like, they took that whole section and also made it a shop like the front of the house is, or whatever. And then as you go through, it's just, like, storage boxes or whatever. Like, yeah. it's like a little warehouse. But then you walk into Take's room, and it's it's the friends. It's the best friends. It's Take's room. Yeah! Oh, they could have not wrecked us, but they chose to wreck us. They chose to ruin us, which I guess... Is there right? They gave us the most special, wonderful, wholesome drama they possibly could have. So I guess <laughs> writers giveth and writers taketh away. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I cried so many beautiful tears in these episodes. Um, I cried the ugliest, most hideous tears uh, about Bo Ra's note to her dad and his note to her. 100%. 100%. Like, inconsolable, shoved pieces of paper <laughs> towel up my nose because nothing else was absorbent enough and just ugly oh, no. cried about how lovely their relationship is 
despite its flaws, right? Despite the fact that they're the same person and they struggle so much with saying, putting their feelings at like for each other into words and their gratitude to each other, but they can write it down and they can say the most lovely things in the world. Like if I'm ever reincarnated into a new life, I hope I get to be your daughter again. Okay, Bora. Okay, Bora. What? Yeah, I feel like they get you started at the wedding with the tissues in the shoes. They're like, you're probably going to cry at this, right? And you're like, yep, but Ross crying pretty hard, so I think I'm probably going to cry a little bit. And then they keep it going. They keep the punches coming. Over and over again. It's, oh, do you remember the plaque? The plaque oh, the plaque that- was really nice. <laughs> oh, the Duke's son was just like, also ugly crying while she read. Yeah. I thought that was very sweet. Interestingly, that didn't make me cry. I just enjoyed it for what it was. Okay. I cried a lot. <laughs> just uh, as a kid that, like, it was literally Father's Day yesterday and I forgot to call my dad. And that's not great. That's not a great look. <laughs> I'm not proud of that. That's my low point. But just... Having my own kid and starting to realize what it takes to be a parent, I still have no idea all of the things that my parents went through to raise me. No concept of how hard it was, but I'm starting to understand it. And seeing these kids be able to turn around and say thank you for that in even just the smallest way and their outrage at their dad being being ousted from his job and not being given any respect for all the work he did they're like we can do this one thing instead is like so beautiful to me and i loved it and that was like a theme of these two episodes as much as as this show is about romance it was probably even more so about family bonds and so we get so many moments where we get the parents of Jung Bom, Jung Bong and Jung Hwan talking about when he was a delivery man and his parent, his kids were so proud of him. He was like, I was going to avoid them so that they wouldn't be embarrassed, but they'd always come running up to me. And how cute that was. And then Manok, like ignoring her dad because he's oh, just like selling his wares. And she's like, no. That's dumb. I love my dad, and I'm really proud of my dad. And she turns right around and introduces her boyfriend. That was so good. Poor, I will say, poor Jung Bong. I do wish she would have been like, hey, I just made a mistake. You're about to meet my dad. Like, just a little prep there, (laughs) you know? Just a little, like, courtesy. Like, like I know that it was just, like, a moment. And it was a moment in a K-drama, so they had to make it dramatic. And it was, like, a decision. She was like, and we could read it on her face. He probably couldn't. He didn't seem to know what was going on. And he's Jung Bong, so he just rolled with it. And was like, dude, <laughs> you're amazing. So you're, like the, you're like the Bill Gates of, of South Korea. And the dad, obviously, could not <laughs> settle for just being the Bill Gates. <laughs> he's better <laughs> so cute the match made yeah. in heaven yeah that was really really sweet I was I was very endeared to how that relationship went I actually was very sorry We I, I think we we got lost I cut you off no you keep going it was just yeah because I really liked your point about it being like about family and being proud of your parents and and like loving what 
and like proud of, but also grateful toward your parents and what they gave to you because that was the whole thing every moment especially of the last episode but this the second to last episode was setting it up right but like we get sun woo asking musung if he musung right yeah if he will sit next to his mom at the wedding weeping i was <sighs> weeping that one was so good that one was so sweet uh sun woo is a good boy he and, gets um, it. And, oh my, you know what got me? And actually, I, I've i already said it once this episode, and I still genuinely feel this way. I don't want kids. I don't feel like I'm anyone's mom. <laughs> the part where Dioksun was showing up for her mom when her mom was going through, like, menopausal swings and, like, like feeling sick and depressed and the way that she was showing up in, like, so many ways that her mom couldn't have even anticipated the ways that she would show up and making her feel better and making her feel pretty and making her feel just generally good in the way that only Jackson can see, like, can make people feel she is just like a ball of sunshine and the pillar of the family as she refers to herself. <laughs> <laughs> but oh. it's uh it's so unbelievably sweet and there was a moment where I was like I, maybe I want a daughter. Maybe I want a kid that's like specifically a daughter, but you don't get to choose that shit. Jung Hwan showed up too though as like See, yeah, the best I feel like son. they tried to reinforce of like that's a daughter thing. Only daughters are good to their parents. Sons are not. It's They're no. useless trash. And I was like, um, <laughs> you really like you're you're trying to be progressive in showing that Jung Hwan is also very considerate and sweet, but then they have to refer to him as a daughter if he does anything yeah. sweet. It's like, come it's on, like, guys. what if he's just a good son? Why is that like a gendered thing to be good to your parents? Yeah, because I'm trash to my parents. I realized that through this show. Thank you. That I'm not good enough. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I'm not good enough to my parents either. I thought I was before this show, but god dang, I think if my mom was going through menopause like that and was, yeah, very sick and depressed and, like, just did not acknowledge when I walked in the door to her house, I would be scared. I would have no idea what to do. I would never be like, let's go, mom. We're going to get you up. We're going to take you on a little shopping trip. I'm ready. I would not have... The understanding of, like, that's what she needs in this moment. I would be way too paralyzed with fear of, like, what's wrong with my mom? I want to be as good of a person as Jackson is. I just want to be even half as good of a person as Jackson is. Because I I think that we should all strive to be the sunshine in our loved one's lives. And I think that she's perfect. And yeah, I would be the same. I'd be like, there, there. Uh can i help how can i help and then she'd be like just leave me alone i don't feel good and i'd be like okay well i'll be here if you need me i'll make you soup that'll help it's like oh you're doing the least guy (laughs) (laughs) you are doing nothing just go away (laughs) yeah i that bar is set very high i don't know if i could do what Duck Sun or Jung Hwan did in in that situation. Oh, but it's so good to see them do it. And oh it my is. god, seeing Dong Nyong's dad with the baby and being like, <sighs> my wife needs some time alone. My heart 
My heart needed another baby in that moment. That was me being like, (laughs) (laughs) I need that baby for one. That's a cute baby. That specific baby. (laughs) (laughs) Also, it's very cute to see the grandparents like coming into their own. And I love the acknowledgement that this show has for Dong Young's mom being a working woman and saying like, she always puts work first and kind of doesn't know how to be herself when she's put in the position of just being a housewife. And, like, that's fine. We can respect that. That's not... That doesn't make her less of a woman or less of a mom or a terrible grandma. It's totally fine for her to need time to step away and find out who she is on her own without being a mother or a wife or a grandma. And I love that her husband's like, I'll step up, I'll take care of things while you're gone. Yeah. The the dude stepped up without even saying a word. Just, yes. Just I've got this. If if you need my support, you've already you've always had it. That yeah. is we've all done like they did a lot of like um such a man uh jokes throughout this K-drama, which have always hit, like, they've always slapped, because it's always the men doing it to each other, and being like, uh, I made my decision super fast, so what a man I am, you know, like, I'm just, like, a man thing to, like, really make decisions or whatever, and it's, like, always funny, because they're just goading each other into doing something. Um, that was such a moment for me of, like, I was so impressed with the sheer non-toxic masculinity that every single one of these men consistently had, but especially Dong Rong's dad in that moment. I was like, I, like, I, I wanted the baby too, because I, there was a whole support system where I was like, all right, well, give me that baby. <laughs> yeah. And I love that he could have asked for help. I wish he had asked for help, but I love that he was like, no, that'll just bring a lot of gossip and small talk about my wife. And like, I'm I'm fine on my own. I can handle this. It was a delicate balance. And he he did it. He did it so well. And I love that like, Daminan calls out at some point that Dong Nyong's dad is such a sweet and silly guy in the neighborhood. She's like, he's always smiling and goofy, and I just love his energy. He just brings such good vibes to this neighborhood, which is so cute because it's such an arc from the beginning of the series where we only see him as the dean. He's only ever referred to as the dean. He's this really harsh teacher. He's very strict at school. But then at home, he's like a totally different person. And we see that by the end of the series. So it's like, just an end cap to his character as well. Oh, beautiful. I loved it. I loved the closure that they gave us on those characters that was so they were very ingrained in the background for so much of it. But they still had a complete storyline that was good and made sense. And it's like it was it wasn't like a surprise or anything because it was just very slowly and quietly developed throughout the entire series and it it was just really good. Yeah, I feel like throughout a lot of the series we got the mom's perspectives and the mom's lives and what they do and by the end you also feel like you know so much about the dads and who they are and what they want and I think that 
is just such incredible writing skill to be able to see all of these characters and feel like you know them all really, really well and you like them all, you enjoy them, and just, yeah, throughout the series, you get to uncover the dads, whereas throughout the series, you consistently have the moms to rely on and to come back to, and just, mm, masterclass, perfect, I loved it. Yeah, it was so, so good, and yeah, there were just so many storylines they did a really good job with. Something that, like, I feel like I'd be remiss not to bring up that isn't maybe as, like, deep and serious, but, like, interesting to me. Did you know that it was illegal in Korea to, for a while, to marry someone with your same last name? They have, like, nine last names! That's, like... (laughs) Yeah, and I like that they brought that up, that they were, like, the most popular last names are excluded. But if you have a slightly more niche name, no way. But, yeah, no idea. That's an insane law, too, even still, though, to also have the addendum, unless it's, like, really, really popular, (laughs) then you can get married, but, like, only if your name is, like, Lee or Park or, like, you know, like, the the top three. Yeah, Kim. That's even crazier that there's this really (laughs) niche rule where it's like, if you have a non, like, if you have the same last name, if your last name is popular enough that, like, people who aren't related have it, but it's not so popular that a lot of people who have the same last, or, like, people who aren't related have it, then you can't get married. (laughs) Yeah, it feels like a very traditional, like, old-fashioned rule where it's like this made sense back a long while back so that people knew what that they were marrying their cousins and like we were doing our best to stop the inbreeding we were doing our best in the very early years uh but yeah then it like carries over like you hear about that happening in the states sometimes where like someone will be like there's a law that if you do it with a sword and you declare a duel then it's completely legal to kill someone in the streets of like um podunk indiana or what you know like something <laughs> crazy like that um like crazy outdated like things- laws still exist everywhere for sure yeah or like if you're riding a horse after sunset and you cross the street from the right to the left going south to north, da, 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 then you will be put in lava. Solitary confinement. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. Like just really weird things, but that one is an interesting one that, uh, yeah, went apparently all the way up until the 90s where they were like, yeah, these two people with the last name Sung, not related at all completely illegal for them to get married. And I love that that was the point to be like, we don't want, like, I assume that was the point. We don't want cousins to accidentally marry. We don't want any, any hint of incest. And then the show is like, but also we have these other characters who are double in-laws and it's not, the two brothers aren't actual brothers, so it's not yeah. weird at all. But it is in the eyes of everyone around them. And they just don't address that at all. They're just like, eventually they get married and it's fine. Yeah, kudos for them for like, I guess, saying that once you become family, you're really, really family. They're like, yeah, blended fa- No, that's 100% family. There is, there is 
No difference between those two and Blood Brothers. Zero percent difference. Kudos, but also at the same time, it's like, no, but there is a difference. Like, the, they aren't act, the, they aren't related by blood. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I have no opinion on double in-laws. I've never, genuinely never given it much thought. But, uh, yeah, it felt, I think, as far as the pacing of the show, it did feel weird to spend so much time freaking out about two people with the same last name who are clearly not related and then present this problem that they're like this is actually way higher stakes in terms of society because one the law is changing the law around last names is going to change any minute most people are think it should change it's totally old-fashioned but the double in-laws thing is more socially embedded people really think it's creepy to do that it's not, I don't, I didn't get the impression it was against the law, but it's a lot weirder to do. And they just uh, like blow over that. They're just like, yeah. that was a rocky time. Um, no, I also no time genuinely, yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, go for it. Um, I just, I really wanted to see Take and Dexon reveal their relationship. Like, I, I wanted yes. to see the reactions, I think. That was, I don't know. I was, I thought that Bora and Sunwoo's relationship got a lot more interesting in these two episodes. Oh, for, for the sure. first time, I cared actually about their relationship. Um, and not just because of the conflict of having the same last name, but just in general, the little makeout session in the alley, I was like, okay, I'm on board for that. That was, <laughs> that was very, that was like a fun little clandestine moment. Um, and, yeah, the I liked Sunwoo's conditions for dating again, where he was like, I was really hurt, and if we're doing this again, we're actually doing it. We're not going to halfway do it. We're not going to do it temporarily. Like, if we date again, I want to date you with the intention of marrying you. I'm not going to treat you like my Nuna that I always use honorifics with. You aren't just like my older sister. You would be my girlfriend. It would be weird for me to use honorifics with you for the rest of our lives. Um, and also, like, I'm just- not going to be second fiddle to your job. I get it. Your job's yeah. important, but we are number one in each other's lives from here on out. Respect. Like those, are, those are super reasonable conditions. Uh, all of them. Like, it is fine to say the person that I love takes priority over my job. Like, that is actually, I think, pretty healthy jobs. If they're, if you love your job, that's great. If it's more important to you than your loved ones, like the human beings around you, that's a problem. That's the, that's where it gets problematic. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, it all made sense in context with their breakup and what they've been doing with their lives since. And yeah, the, just the progression of these two characters was really lovely. I think it validated how much time they had taken up in the previous episodes where you're like, wow, we're spending a lot of time with these very boring characters. And they're like, it's okay. By the end, they become much more important and interesting. <laughs> and they did. They really did. Yeah, yep. Yeah. So I really liked that. I liked their wedding. I thought that was really sweet. Bora looked really pretty. I loved her 90s wedding dress. That was gorgeous. Yeah, I thought that that was awesome. Um, So yeah, their relationship was great, but I still kind of felt like I was left wanting with uh, Take and Dixon's relationship. Like there was a few things that I just wish we could have gotten more of. 
Um, the reveal was good and interesting in Beijing when oh, she's finally so like, cute. hey, we did kiss, uh, whoops. And he was like, so, <laughs> why? <laughs> I mean, that was a whole scene, right? Where you see him processing that and saying, like, she must have lied. This must be the rejection. She must have lied because she didn't want anything to happen. And he cries and he's like, what's happening? What's going on? And then she makes this little speech about, like, I didn't want it to get awkward. I didn't want anything to happen between us. And he asks, what about now? And she says, I still don't want things to get awkward between us. But, and I, I don't know, I kind of wanted her to keep going. I wanted more from that moment, too. I agree. I, like, I'm glad that the but was what he needed to stop spiraling because I worried that he would not be able to hear her if she said, I do have feelings for you or whatever after her saying, I don't want things, I still don't want things to be awkward. I was like, what if he spirals and can't hear her when she says whatever she has to say, right? That I'm hoping... (laughs) Since we kind of know how it ends, I'm hoping it's something along the lines of, it's worth it to me because I have feelings for you. Or, um, I don't know, the one million things she could have said that reaffirmed that she also wants him back, or whatever the case may be. Um, But yeah, despite that being, that but being enough for him, it kind of wasn't for me. I wanted them to- yeah, have time that like to process it and for her to be like I and I didn't realize like what your feelings were because you called it off all those years ago, but now that I do, like we should do this or whatever the case may be, you know. Yeah, you want her to have the big romantic speech moment because I think Duck Sun's never been in the driver's seat as far as the relationships in this show. They've always made her the the backseat driver, the one who just gets taken wherever the boy's hearts lead her. And you wanted her to have one moment of power to be like, I want this relationship to happen. And then they do the most amazing kiss in K-drama history. Real it was good a kiss. very good kiss. I was... I was impressed because I was a little worried <laughs> there was a moment where it looked like she was maybe going to just ragdoll in that chair. Yep. Yep. But then she didn't. She participated. She brought it back. She was like, I'm yep. in. <laughs> and like, that's a good response as well. That's a good answer. But I did want her to say it with words. Like, I'm interested in this relationship. I'm going to take the initiative this time and say, let's be together. Because she's never been able to throughout the whole series. It's always been somebody else's choice of whether she gets to be in a relationship or not. Give her the choice. Just once. Just once. That's all we're asking. Yeah. So I I wanted more from them. And I liked the conversation they had about not revealing it yet. I thought initially I didn't like it. And then I thought they ended up taking it in a good direction where she was like, let's just give it time my feelings aren't changing. We're still seeing each other. It, let's just give it time before we decide to bombard our parents again with a big yeah. relationship reveal. I think any other character would have felt manipulative saying that, but knowing how well Duxon knows people and how well she, how considerate she is, how good she is at managing feelings and relationships, I trusted her. Yeah. Same. And it turned out yeah. Well. 
Because initially, I I was also team take, where I was like, why? No, I don't want- yeah. He doesn't want to lie about it, don't make him lie about it. But then her explanation, and yes, knowing how much she is good at understanding how people feel about certain things, I think that it was the right call, and she explained it really well during, I think, like, when they circled back on it and did, like, a little- this is actually how she, like, ended the conversation. It wasn't just like a, don't you trust me? It was like a, trust that I will still have feelings for you, because I will. It's just that we've got to wait on this. We've got to sit on this one. Yeah. Yeah, it didn't feel good at the beginning, but they brought it back. It was good. Which, yeah. I feel like that's a mirror of this entire show and the scenes from 2015, where throughout the series we get these little clips of 2015 taken ducks on and they don't feel good i did not mm -hmm. like them and then these last couple episodes they brought it back they were like you can see a little bit of take again he's different he shared i think i liked that they reinforced a few times throughout the drama his dad saying i think he matured too quickly and he's not good at sharing his emotions because he's just around adults so much. So he hides who he is. And I wish for him that Take would be able to share his real feelings with someone. And I think that kind of felt right at the end where you get this impression of like, oh, Take's not just a jackass. Like, he's not that mean to his wife She's just the only person who he can share his thoughts around, and they're not always the kindest thoughts. He jokes in a mean way that is very similar to the friends that he grew up around, but it's not just him being mean, it's him actually being able to share a part of himself that he was never able to share before, so even if he seems different to me... It's it's who Take always was. He just couldn't express it before. And, like, maybe this is me making way too much headcanon <laughs> and trying to come to terms with Take in the future. But that's what it felt like. Yeah, I'm glad that you put it that way. I was still a little bit struggling. Like, they had some really good interactions where I really liked them observing Bo-Ra about to eviscerate Sun Woo and how... <laughs> Take was like, all right, three, two, <laughs> one, dead. <laughs> I thought that that was really sweet and that they were both kind of getting a kick out of that together. But yeah, I was still really struggling to reconcile who they, how they had Take. But I think also that is really good perspective to keep. We are seeing Take in the future as Take in an interview, not as Take as we saw him in all of the times that we were seeing like the story of their youth and their childhood. Um, because that is who he was with his friends and family and who he is in an interview is and has always been different. And so like, it's okay that he was maybe not quite himself or didn't really know what to say or was maybe not saying things that made sense for the take that we came to love because we were viewing him through the eyes of an interviewer, through, like, the lens of a camera, uh, and not through the, like, description and eyes of the woman who loves him. Yeah, that's fair. 
It could be that phenomenon that you talked about with Bora early on, where it's just Duxun's perspective of taking the past that we are seeing, and maybe not quite the real him, because it, it does feel a little bit backwards that he's much meaner in an interview and much more witty and unkind sometimes than he was in, in the past. Like, in the past, he seemed just so quiet and shy, and that was it. Very kind of one-dimensional sometimes. But yeah, why, why would you choose your interview persona as that guy? That guy who asks his wife if she's senile when she's like, do you remember when this picture was taken? <laughs> are you senile? Are you senile? It says it right there. Can you read? Do you not, are you illiterate? <laughs> <laughs> why is that your choice of personality for the interview? Cameras are yeah. on, my dude. Yeah. Come on, man. Yeah. So yeah, there's a couple of different... Ways that it can be interpreted, but I, I also like I like the idea of a couple different aspects of that, right? Where it's like yeah. this is who he is; he's a little more relaxed because his wife is here, but also he's still not really himself because there's interviewers here. So it's like <laughs> me and Raquel are trying. We are trying to make this right. <laughs> gymnastics, mental gymnastics, the backflips, the, the backflips, the quarter twists. Because <laughs> this show really did a number on future take, and we are trying to make it right. We are doing our god darn best. It's not. It's not. <laughs> Why? Why did they ruin future take? I don't like it. Pass. Pass. Thank you, next. He's just fine. <laughs> um, I saw... Okay, I'll bring it up next week. We're going to do our big, big bonus episode next week. And yeah. I'll save I'll save some juicy tidbits for there. Do you have anything else you want to talk about while we are finishing up this episode? Um, no. I feel like we've <laughs> run so long and like made so much of it about us that there's stuff I should talk about, but I can't, I honestly can't think of anything else that like feel like we've covered the big the big things at least for me. Is there anything else you want to cover? I don't think so. It's like you said, there's there's so much stuff packed into these episodes. There's four hours of content, and uh, I know we didn't talk about it all, but I think we talked about at least all the scenes that made me cry, which is what's what's important to me in a finale. Yeah. The most important things are the things that devastate us emotionally. <laughs> <laughs> the things that I can't stop crying about. It's been days, guys. <laughs> I need help. Uh, oh. We all do. Reply 1988 gave us everything we needed and, and took away so much from us, too. <laughs> For real. For real. Oh, I'm going to miss this show. We'll come back next week and talk about it one last time. Yeah. Um. If there's anything you want to slip in, we'll probably record next week's episode before we read anything you send us, but on the off chance we don't, send us your thoughts. What did you think? Are you sad? Are you happy? Are you sad and happy like us? <laughs> um, that's You can email us at playonkpodcast at gmail.com. You can find all of our episodes on our website, playonk.com, as well as a link to our Patreon and all of our affiliates, including Skillshare, where you can upskill your life, Blueberry Podcast Hosting, so you can start your own podcast, and Soulbox, our newest 
little subscription box straight from Korea. Yeah, I've got, I'm getting a new box this week. I've loved the boxes I've got previously. They're good snacks. They're good, good snacks. So yeah, that one, I, I, we can vouch for all of our affiliates, but that one I'm hyped about. So go check it out. Yeah. Um, we also have our Patreon, as mentioned, there's a link at our website, or you can go to patreon.com slash playonk, where you can toss us a couple dollars each month. Uh, you get, you know, some, a little bit of bonus content, a little bit of pre-show chat. Um, and it's just a good time. We just have, we just, it's like a real chill vibe over there. So check that out. Yeah. The best free way to support our podcast is by listening to the entire episode. So if you are hearing this, thank you. You have already done more than we could ask for. But if you want to help even more, you can leave a rating and review wherever you listen. That just helps other K-drama podcast listeners find us. Yeah. And then, uh, oh, it's always kind of a mistake when I'm the one left doing the socials. We did this a little out of order because I, uh, I hate the so I hate the social media, but we do have socials, which are a more fun place to uh, get in contact with us. Usually, you're going to get Emily there. I'm pretty bad about checking our socials, but uh, I believe we're play on K on Twitter, which we pretty much never use anymore. But that if you're like, is this the official play on K account? That's us at play on K. Um, play on K podcast on Instagram. And M has done a TikTok that I, I did don't. one TikTok once, and <laughs> you can probably find it, but don't. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, those are our socials. <laughs> Thanks for listening. <laughs> Join us next week for our bonus episode where we'll talk one more time. Oh, my heart is breaking. One more time about Reply 1988. Okay, bye. Okay, bye. Bye bye.